Tonight is the final night of our series that we've had on Sunday nights of going through our, our church covenant. Um, so as we move into the last section, uh, or we're actually the second half of the last section, um, we're talking about the things that we're committing to in regards to uh, this church. We've covered our commitments to the Lord, our commitments to one another. Um, and now we're looking at, at kind of the mission and the vision of what this church is and what members of this church are committing to do to help uh, fulfill that, you know, the things that God, we believe God has called us to do. Um, and so we've been through uh, some parts of it. But if you look up on the screen, um, this, is, this is the the final section that we're looking at. Um, it says we'll work together to fulfill the mission and vision of this church by maintaining unity in our personal and corporate devotions by actively using our spiritual gifts, abilities, and passions in ministry, by being faithful in our attendance, our participation, and our giving, and by supporting the leadership of this church. And should we move from this place, as soon as possible we will unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. Um, we've been through half of that paragraph. We're going to tackle the last half tonight uh, as we finish up. And... Um, you know, it seems a bit uh, logistical when you get into some of these things. And so I was really trying to, like, figure out, like, how do you bring, you know, details and logistics and all this kind of stuff into, like, a worship service, you know? And I was really challenged uh, just in my own understanding of, of what God has done and, and how even the logistical things that we have, you know, when we talk about, uh, you know, it, like it says over there, being faithful in our attendance, you know, all right, being faithful in our giving. Um, but even how those things are very much in, intentional in the way God has, has put us together and has put the big church together. And the thing that, that really just kept coming through my mind was just how um, God has built naturally into uh, the body of Christ, into the church, um, things that are, are beneficial for us. And the church is really, uh, you know, one of the most significant ways that God takes care of you and that God takes care of me. Um, you know, there is that, that attitude out there, um, and I think I have it sometimes, and I, you know, maybe you do too, of, you know, all I really need, is, I already have. All I need is Jesus, and I've got him, and I'm good. And you kind of get that, that vibe in the back of your mind. And you're like, you know, do I really need other people? I mean, do I really need, like, the church? And it seems like in those times when church life is frustrating is when you really are like, you know what, just forget it. I'm tired of fooling with it. I'm tired of people. I'm tired of whatever. I got a Bible. Um, I got the Holy Spirit inside of me. I'm good. But the thing is, all throughout the New Testament, uh, God constantly through all the different writers and all these different books and all this stuff brings it back to the to the the one another's of scripture the fact that we are, are designed by God to interact and to live together and that is for our our benefit it's for your good and for my good that we are a part of the church and by having a church covenant we're like putting down the words like and making these commitments of saying this is what we're going to strive for because these things are going to help us live together where God uses all of our lives in conjunction with each other for our good, for our growth, for our protection, for, um, for, for him, for his glory, for all these things. Everything 
about the church by God's design is good. Um, yeah, we mess it up sometimes. And we get things out of whack and we don't understand stuff and, and you know, sin gets in the way and all this kind of stuff, whatever. But by God's design, uh, everything in the church is good. It's for our growth. And so what I want us to do tonight is to go through and, and to, to highlight some of these things in the covenant and to show where they come from in Scripture. Um, but that's the underlying thing is that all these things are for our good. I mean, why would we rebel against you know, things that are going to just build us and strengthen us and, and whatever? Um, and so we're going to kind of celebrate and really embrace these things that God has built into our lives uh, tonight. So I ask you to turn to, to Hebrews, um, which where we, we've kind of hung out there before. Um, the first thing in our covenant, it says uh, being faithful in our attendance. And if you read the whole flow of the paragraph, it basically says being faithful in our attendance is going to help fulfill the mission and vision of this church. Um, that's the big idea in the paragraph when we list all these things. Um, being faithful in our attendance, um, at first glance, that really, it, it makes me feel like, like a control thing by the church. You know, like, uh, like when... Um, you know, there are a lot of churches where if, if, you were to, if you become a deacon, like you sign this thing that's like, you know, I will abstain from these things and I will do these things or whatever. They make you sign it and, and it just kind of becomes this binding thing that kind of has this vibe of, uh, of control. You know, we want to control the lives of our deacons. We want to control whatever. Um, that's not where we're coming from as a church. We hadn't built this into the covenant because we're like, you know, we really need some people to show up. And we need something to hold over their heads when they've been absent. You know, that's, that's, not, that's not it. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. This is what we see. In a discussion about perseverance, this is what the writer says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he promised and is faithful. All that is talking about your individual, your relationship with God. You know, it's very much personal. It's very much about you approaching God and you hanging in there. And all these great reasons why, like, we have, there's no reason why we should, you know, throw in the towel or whatever in our personal walks. And that same thought flow, it switches from a personal thing to a corporate thing. Verse 23, let us, um, uh, verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Apparently, there's some, we're, they kind of had that same vibe at times. Where people were like, you know, I don't really need the church, I don't really need this, whatever. And the writer's like, no, 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 no. Like, do not deviate from that. Continue that meeting together. Don't walk away from that. Don't allow that to, to be removed from your life. Um, you need one another. And here he's talking about you know, perseverance and all this kind of stuff, about spurring one another on and loving good deeds and all this kind of stuff. But there's a, all throughout the New Testament, there's this definite togetherness 
there's a constant gathering of, of the saints. And that's because like we like our lives are lived in such a way where like we need we need that connection with other people. And the times when you're doing them the worst, you need to be in that in that room. You need to be in that community group setting. You need to be in this gym on Sunday nights. Or if you go to another church, you need to be in that gathering. Because in times when we are crazy low and things can't get any worse, we need to be surrounded by songs about God's faithfulness and his unending love and his strength and his power. And we need to be surrounded by people who are doing better than we are and, and who are completely there for us. Not so we can sit there and be like, wow, everybody else is doing great and I'm doing terrible. But so we can walk into a room and say, wow, everybody else is doing great. I'm doing terrible. I need every, all the great people because I'm the, one of the terrible ones today. And all of this is in how you, you look at it. You can go in and be bitter and be like, why is God cursing me and blessing everybody else? Or you can be like, man, life is happening to me. And I need some people who are stronger than me to, to support me and to pray for me and to encourage me. And so in our covenant, we say we're going to be faithful in our attendance. Meaning just because we don't feel like it, doesn't, that's not a reason why we're not going to, you know, just, well, we're just going to bail, you know. I'm not going to skip community group just because I don't, just don't feel like it. I'm not feeling it today. Most days when I'm not feeling it, that's when I need to be in that room more than any time. Because there are people in there who are feeling it. And believing that those gatherings, that God does something when his kids get together. See, that's the thing. A lot of times we just we don't really feel like like it's for our benefit, you know. We don't realize that that gathering that God has a reason for bringing you into that place. He's going to use those lives, you know, connecting with each other. He's going to use all those things that are going on for your benefit to build you up. Which is weird because you think as self-centered as many of us live that you'd be like all about being taken care of and built up and like what what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Well, maybe sometimes we need a like we need a what's in it for me attitude. You know, but but in a, in a healthy way, we're like, what does God have for me sitting in that apartment with my community group on Tuesday? You know, what does God have for me in that gym at Parkview? Even though it's all the way across town and it's raining and I've just had a long weekend or whatever, God has something for me there. Just like God has something for you when you're by yourself in your room. And so what we've said is we've taken that example of Scripture and we've said, you know what, we're going to commit to being faithful in our attendance because we're going to have faith in the gathering. Why do we have faith in the gathering? Because all these redeemed saints come together and something electric happens. And so what members of our church have said is like, you know what, even if I'm not feeling it, I'm going to go. Now, you know what, there, there are times when you, like, you don't need to come. It's not there for a guilt trip, you know. It's not there for a control thing, you know. If your family comes into town and like you know whatever, like there are just times when like you don't need to go to community group. Like you, there are other things that God has for you. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, but being faithful in our attendance and not not getting into that place where we stop meeting together, um, that's something that's important because this is for our benefit. This is for your growth. This is for my growth. And in ways that we can't even see, um, we walk out of here differently than we came in. Because God is here and because his children are here. And when that is the case, anything can happen. 
And in a world where we tend to just, you know, kind of flake out real easily, we want to put in our covenant someone that's going to help us keep from doing that. Not as a control thing, but because this is why God, like, put us all together in this place. So we're going to follow the example of Scripture and do that. Um, the next thing that it says is related to it. Um, being faithful in our attendance, yes. Being faithful in our participation. How many of you know there's a difference between showing up and participating? All right? And we've all, we've all phoned in our share of community groups, you know, where you just show up, but you're like, I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to answer a question. I'm not going to smile. See, showing up is one thing. Participating, that's something totally different. And it's not saying, like, you have to, like, answer every question because you don't want to be that guy, you know? You don't have to be all up in everything. But by participating, what we're saying is, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to go to community group, I'm going to go to any of all these things that we have. I'm going to go, but I'm not just going to sit there. I'm going to go because God's bringing me there for a reason. And I'm going to be engaged in what's going on because I want every drop of what he has for me while we're there. I'm not going to miss anything for what he has. But that's tough because that, that requires, you know, it requires a little bit of prep work sometimes, you know. It's hard to just roll into somewhere and all of a sudden be like, you know, in the presence of Jesus automatically. When we started the ring years ago, like we, we kind of felt that, that weirdness. You know, it's kind of tough to just like, you know, have been like studying all day or hanging out all day or playing, you do whatever all day, and then all of a sudden, like you're in, in you know, holy ground, holy ground here. And so that's why 45 minutes before we start, uh, for a 30 minute time block, uh, nothing goes on in here. And it's just open for prayer. Um, and what we found years ago was that, you know, when we, when we show up early and we just sit in silence for a while and we're praying about stuff and, and uh, you know, like a, what I'll do is I'll kind of tell them what I'm preaching about, what's going on. They kind of sometimes will just pray for, you know, pray for the room. They'll walk around and pray for where you're sitting. They'll just prepare this place. They're also preparing their hearts. And what we found was like, you know what, it's different for me on the nights when I'm completely engaged in, during that prayer time. My experience corporately is radically different than the nights when I just roll in, you know, whatever, and I haven't prepared myself. Not to say that you can't prepare yourself in your own way, you have to come here or whatever, um, but it's that mindset of saying, you know what, like, I'm getting ready for whatever God has for me here. I'm going to participate, you know. It's about me being, like, in, intentional about when I drive to my community group, that I'm driving to a place where God has a corporate experience for me and he's got something just for me. That's for my care. That's how he takes care of me. That's for my benefit. Um, that's a discipline thing, you know. And so in our covenant, we're saying we're not just going to show up. We're going to be faithful in, in our participation. When, you, when we come in here, um, I, I love it when, like, when, when we start, and the whole room just kind of like vacuum seals in, you know. That's an, it's, a, it's amazing. You just feel just the, the energy that's here because everybody's just there, you know. But I also know those nights when it's just like, you just feel like it's just so sluggish and you're like, oh, what are we doing? And you know what I found? Um, the sluggishness versus that vacuum seal effect really has a lot to do with me. And when I've 
spent time preparing myself for the night, I, I'm there. But when I haven't, and I'm like running around like a chicken with my head cut off, and I'm snapping at people, and I'm doing all this whatever, and I haven't prepared myself, uh, that's when it, to me, it's like, oh, the room was so sluggish tonight. It's like, no, it was you. Because <laughs> you weren't faithful in your participation. But really, that comes down to the fact that do I really view our times together as being transformational, as being interaction with the Holy One and with Holy Ones? So God has something for, for us when we come together. So in our covenant, we've said, you know what? What, what this is kind of really saying and, and kind of restating it in a different way is that we're going to take our, our gathering seriously. Sunday nights, community groups, the Random, the discipleship groups we have, the different things that we do, we're going to take those seriously as, as a unique experience that God has for us in our lives interacting together. It comes from Scripture, and it's just a practical way for us to carry that out. Um, and so that's, you know, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Uh, turn to Acts chapter 4. Being faithful in our attendance and our participation, uh, you know, that's, that, it makes sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to you. It makes sense to me. Um, and to me, like, those are, those are easier sometimes than the next one. Um, the next thing that we have is by being faithful in our giving. Uh, growing up, like, I kind of came from that background where, like, every January was, like, stewardship month. The sermon series was always on giving, stewardship, whatever. And uh, which is fine. That doesn't bother me at all. What bothers me is the uh, apologetic way that sermons on giving can be approached sometimes, you know. I know know you all hate to talk about money. But we really need to, and I'll try to make it too painless, and uh, whatever. But bothers me. Um, we try not to shy away from it, and and this is why um, giving biblically is not seen as a task. You know, it's not a membership fee. Um, it's not a tax. You know, um, it's a source of joy. Um, it's a form of worship, and it is a way that we are a part of God's mission on the earth. You know, that, that redemption that all of us as Christians are a part of, and that taking that message to the world, by giving to the work of the church, we are participating in one way, uh, that, that happening. Um, it's also a way where... Uh, it's a discipline issue for us also. It, it kind of it keeps you from worshiping money. Because if you're, if you're giving and uh, you know, you're taking like however much of the money that you make and you're putting it back there on the table in those bowls and you are trusting the leadership of the church to handle that well and for it to further uh, missions and further all the things that we're trying to do... Um, when that's money that you could have had for yourself, that you could buy stuff with, or it could go into your you know, Roth IRA, or we could do all this kind of other stuff. Um, what that does is it has this supernatural way of, uh, that God takes that and he uses it, and it's basically saying, you know what, money's not going to be my God. Money's not going to control me. In a, in a country and in a society where money controls literally everything, 
Here are the saints gathered together and saying, like, you know what? It's not going to control us. Watch. I'm going to put this back here where I have no control over it anymore. I'm going to trust God with that money back there. I'm going to trust him with the money I have in my bank account. It's just money. Um, it's his to begin with. And, you know, whatever. Jesus come back tomorrow and what good would it be? Uh, and if my money is going to help the, the mission of the church and it's going to help take care of these things and this, this, and this, um, awesome. That's what I live for, is for um, God's glory in, in its various forms. We see an example in Acts chapter 4 that we looked at before, verse 32. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, it was always about 10%. You know, the first 10% of, of the, the crops and the money and all this kind of stuff, the first 10%, that tithe, uh, went to the Lord all throughout the Old Testament. Um, and then after Jesus died and rose again and went to heaven, the Holy Spirit came and got the Holy Spirit everywhere, there's a, a different approach to giving and to ministry. Here's an example, verse 32. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it all at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. See, in the New Testament, you just give as the Lord leads. And so as a church, we don't teach 10% as the rule for life. We, don't, we will never ask you, know, you to tithe 10%. We, would never, we won't throw statistics out about it. Most people only tithe 1.78%. Get everybody to go to the full 10, this and this and this and this. Because from our perspective as a church, uh, that's, uh, the 10%, that's a law. That's Old Testament law. And because in Christ we are free, um, what, what happens is, uh, you know, we don't ask God to be involved in every area of our life and to completely guide every decision and all these things that we do and then, like, exclude this, you know. We don't say, God, you have complete reign over my entire life, but my calculator determines how much I give down to the penny. You know, we don't say, God, you have control of my life, and then we have to have the, the debate of, is it before taxes or after taxes? How does that work, 10% of which, you know? No. Now, if you, if you go to the Lord in prayer about your giving, and, you're like, and he brings you to the point where he's like, you know what? Based on your budget, uh, and he really brings you that 10% figure, awesome. If that's where the conclusion he brings you to, wonderful. If it's a rule that you live by, not cool. And so what we're saying in our covenant is like, you know, we're going to be faithful in our giving, um, believing that, the, that all of our money together goes into this pot, and that pot is um, distributed evenly as the needs come up and as different ministries need things and whatever. Um, seems real logistical and stuff, but, I mean, our, our books are open. You know, if there's ever a doubt or you want to see, you know, like you want to, you demand to see something, we're, there's nothing to be ashamed of. 
Um, we have membership meetings from time to time, and we pass out the money distribution and how much has come in and how much has gone out and kind of where everything's gone, and it's wide open about stuff. Um, but I can tell you this, um, the surplus areas in our budget at our last meeting were uh, in missions. We gave more than we, than we allotted for percentage-wise in missions and in uh, benevolence. As far as like when needs pop up and somebody just needs some help, need a fresh start, need whatever. Those are the two things that that money that goes back there has surpassed what we kind of predicted we would spend it in. Um, so being faithful in our giving, I don't, you know, it's just it's one of those things um, that just has that way where God just takes it and he's like, see how money's not going to control you? Because I'm going to control you. And that helps us fulfill the mission and vision of the church. So being faithful in those three things, our attendance and our participation and our giving, um, that all kind of brings us into the next one about supporting the leadership of the church. Uh, turn back to Hebrews chapter 13. Um, It's really weird to be the preacher and to preach about supporting the leadership of the church, just so you know. Um, but in, in Hebrews 13, there's this verse that's there. And uh, this is what it says, verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. When it says at the beginning of the verse, obey your leaders, that's not saying like, okay, these guys are, you know, are the bosses and you have to do what they say no matter what. You have to just obey. Obey, obey, obey. Um, that word, it, it means to trust. Uh, it means to uh, to rely on. It means, I mean, what else are right now? Oh, uh, to have confidence in, to depend on, to trust um, the people who are in leadership of the church. We spent, you know, the last couple of weeks we've talked about spiritual gifts and how God, like, how God brings into a church all these different gifts and everything works together and everybody plays their, their role and everything just, it just gets done because God assembles a church uniquely like that. Um, well, within this church, uh, there, like, there's a structure to it. Um, and there's this diagram, and I'm going to cruise through this, uh, cruise through this diagram real quick. But um, because I want you to know, you know, a big part of this series is to kind of, uh, you know, refocus us as a church. But also, there's a lot of people who just, who, you know, are looking for a church and not really sure and stuff like that and, and whatever. And so this is supposed to be informative as well. But I want you to understand as a church um, how this is a way that God takes care of us. If you don't go to this church, you need to apply this to your church as the way the structure of a church provides care for you. You know, that scripture, it talks about uh, obeying your leaders. They keep watch over you. It needs to be a joy uh, to them because that is it's a disadvantage to you if it's not joy you know like it's all about benefit and care and when you look at this diagram um, 
you know, there's a lot of debate about how churches should be structured and stuff. And uh, without getting too deep into it, um, I believe as the pastor that really the New Testament just teaches that you need to be organized. Um, I had a professor that talked about how uh, he said the body of Christ is not an organization. Your church is not an organization. It's an organism. It's alive. It grows. It hurts. It repairs itself. You know, it's an organism. It's alive. And we're all like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Then he said, but you know what? Every healthy organism is intricately organized. And that's how God has designed the body to be. There's, there needs to be some organization. And so some would say, elders, boo, you know, the congregation has to vote on everything. And others would say, no, 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 elders have the final say. No one should ever question them, you know, whatever. Uh, forget all those debates. We're just not going to get caught up in that. Across the board in the New Testament basically says, you know, you need to be organized. Because you're never going to accomplish anything if everybody's doing like this. So this is kind of the way that we're organized. Um, you see the big box? That would be the membership of the, of the church. Um, on this side over here, uh, where it says MTX, uh, last week I talked about how we have different ministry teams who, um, who are people who feel called to certain areas of, of ministry and stuff like that. So we have like a kids ministry team and a youth ministry team, and we have a missions team that did the table back there and all this kind of stuff. That's what those little, those little circles off on the side are. Uh, those are different ministry teams. Each one of those ministry teams has someone that runs the point for that group. And we call it, that, that's an, an MTX. Um, it's an X because we couldn't decide if it was, should be ministry team leader, MTL, or ministry team representative because, well, it'll make sense in a second. And so we went back and forth. There's an L, there's an R, there's an L and an R. So we're like, we'll just make it an X for right now. We'll come back to it later. And then we just kind of liked the way it sounded. So that circle of, of MTXs, that's one person representing and leading each of those groups, okay? So, so you have a kid person, a youth person, all these kind of people, whatever, and they are one from each team. They show up, and, and they begin to dialogue back and forth about what's going on in their areas and how different areas can interact and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's what the MTX is. And really, that whole side of things, that's, that's the, the membership of the church, uh, North Point Community Church in Atlanta, they have this, this phrase that they probably didn't make up, but that's where I saw it. Um, and, they, and they talk about how their, their church is, is gifted by their members and guided by their staff and guarded by their elders. Um, but gifted by the membership, I mean, that's where everything, that's where it's happening down there, all right? That's the, the homeless outreach, that's the, all the, the organized things going on, that's where it happens on that end. Um, in the middle... You have uh, the staff, which consists of, of me and Megan, who's up here early, earlier. Uh, Jessica Lawrence is like is just the church secretary stuff and helps us, you know, keeps everything right where it needs to be. Um, that staff bubble right there, we are responsible for the day-to-day stuff. You know, we're who you, who you call if if there's a crisis, if there's a need. We're the ones making sure we have uh, you know enough uh, that the hot dog buns and the hot dogs in the packet, and the numbers line up at the barbecue. You know, like we're like in charge of everything from logistics to like the the. I just had a death in the family. I've never been through this. I need somebody to come over here right now and, and talk to me. Everything on that spectrum, we we take care of that day to day stuff. Um, and so the staff works with the MTXs, and we kind of all work together to make sure everything's communicated and all that kind of stuff. Um, so like North Point said, they're gifted by the membership. That's where all the, the, the giftings come out, but guided by that staff. 
you know? We provide that, that steering of, of things when it comes to logistics and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's what, within that big membership box, that's what God has called us to do. We are not the employees of the church. We're not. There's a part of that giving that comes out that takes care of some salary issues so that, that Megan and Jess and I don't have to go out and get like eight jobs to try and get the bills paid in addition to um, serving in that capacity of, of guiding in that sense. We don't work for you. We serve you gladly. And what our membership is saying is we're saying that we believe that God has brought you guys here to function in this way. And so we're going to pull all resources. We're going to take care of y'all in those financial ways to free you up to be able to do the things that God's brought you to this body to do. God takes care of a church through its staff. Too many times staff, uh, staff will get beat up and worn out and just run through the ringer because the church looks at them as employees. And that leads to staff members acting like it's just a job and putting out resumes when things get bad and they hop from place to place to place and all that. And so our covenant talks about supporting the leadership of the church, which basically means what you're saying is we see you as a gift and as a blessing to us. And so we're going to support you. You know what supporting us looks like? Uh, it's, it's praying for us. Yeah, it's encouragement. It's all that stuff. It's also letting us know when you've had a death in the family, you know. It's letting us know when things are bad. It's letting us know how we can pray and how we can help. That's supporting us too because you're letting us do what God's brought us here to do. And it's awesome. And you guys are great at that. You're amazing at the support, the leadership of the church part of our covenant. You're great. But you know what? That also applies to the MTXs. It applies to the community group leaders. It's supporting the people who prepare those discussions for you each week, you know, and they plan, you know, we're going to go, we're going to go serve, we're going to do this, you know, and they, they have everything mapped out, and they, they take the time to do that. It's supporting them in the same way. You serve on a ministry team, you know, when the leader comes in, they're trying to get you together for a meeting and trying to get some plans together and some dates and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's all that stuff. It's supporting. It's so different. Um, it's so many different ways. And over here, we have the elders, and so if we're gifted by the membership and guided by the staff, guarded by the elders, the elders are the ones um, who God has, has brought in. It's a group of men um, that basically their job is, is to make sure that we stay true to who uh, we've said that we are, which may not make a lot of sense. This is a group that um, evaluates programming, evaluates uh, everything that's going on, and lines it up next to the, our mission uh, the vision that God's given us lines up next to Scripture and all our doctrinal beliefs. They make sure that the Ring Community Church today stays on track and doesn't go rogue, you know, and all of a sudden become like this prosperity gospel church, for example, you know. Um, the elders are the ones, if I get up here and I'm like, God wants you to be rich. He wants to bless you and bless everybody through you. And you need to tie 10% and Jesus was an alien then they're the ones, see, woke y'all up. They're the ones that would be like, uh, dude, <laughs> time out. They're the ones that keep me where I need to be and keep the staff where we need to be. They guard you and they protect you. 
And this group rotates through. They serve for three years, and then after that, they have to sit out for a year, and we're always, we rotate people in each year. I'm the, one, I'm the permanent member, and the rest of them are always rotating. No power trips. No, like, powerful group that's untouchable. I answer to them. I'm not power. There's accountability in that whole diagram everywhere it goes. And here's the thing. You might be bored out of your mind thinking, oh, this is logistics, this is whatever. But look, look, look at how God has hooked us up and look at all the things that are beneficial to you. That there are outlets for ministry, that there are um, places for you to be able to serve, that there's a staff that, that prays for you, that is available to you, that you have our cell phone numbers, that we do as much as, as we can um, that there are elders who meet twice a month and, and pray over things. This, this last meeting, we, walked around, we went into two rooms uh, here on the facility to pray for groups that meet in those rooms. I mean, like these, God has completely hooked us up. We have to see that as him taking care of us. And we read those scriptures about how he's got apostles and teachers and all he's brought all these kind of people to equip the saints for work of ministry. He's done all this stuff to get everybody ready to go out and live. That's a part of how he's done it right there. Which is why we need to support each other, to encourage each other. Being faithful in our giving our attendance, our participations, supporting the leadership of the church. The last thing says this, and I have to read it because I kind of forget about it. Should we move from this place as soon as possible or unite with another church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word? Um, that comes from the same place as the verse that we read a minute ago in 13 where it talks about uh, the staff uh, or the, the leadership of the church who cares for you, and they're the ones that have to give an account. Um, I said this weeks back when we first started the series, like, if I have to stand before God and give an account for the spiritual condition of this church, however that's going to work out, I don't really know, kind of scared of it. You praying for me about that? Uh, I want to know who the sheep are. And he goes back to that idea of, you know, if you're going to three different churches... Or if you're super involved in two different places, and you, then you have two different shepherds. And I'm going to be mad at you if I get before Jesus. And he holds me accountable for your spiritual condition. And I didn't even know that you were a part of this church, you know. And so we have in this covenant, we're like, you know, these are the members of our church and we're going to take so seriously the care that we're supposed to extend to each other in this covenant that if someone moves somewhere else or if they get just sick of this church and they want to go to another place, if they're a member of the church, they've already agreed that they're going to be transferred from the care of one shepherd to the care of another shepherd. There's not going to be this you know, four-month lapse of like, oh, we'll find a church eventually, blah, blah, blah. No. We want to make sure that you are cared for. So even if you move, you know, we're going to bug you about where you're going to church. We're going to bug you about moving your membership to that church. 
Because that is a part of how God cares for you, is by being a part of the body of Christ. And so we put it in our covenant. And in the membership class, we kind of joke about how it sounds like an exit interview, you know? But that's because being involved in the body of Christ is beneficial for you and beneficial for me. And we have to see it that way. And so here's the thing. You know, you look at, at some of the things we talked about. Um, do you see, like, because I, I didn't really see it until I started looking at it like this way. Do you see how many ways, like, God takes care of you? Takes care of me? I mean, Jesus died on the cross, taking away our sins, reconnecting us to God, eternal life. Awesome. But he's given us so much more, you know? He's given us the spirit that guides us. He's gifted us. He's equipped us. He's given us passions. He's, he's called us to things. He's brought us a, to, uh, into a church that, you know, that is guarded and it's guided and it's, you know, all this stuff that's going on. Like, there's so many ways that, because God loves you. And he wants you to be cared for through his church. And as weird as she can act sometimes, she is his bride. And he loves us. And just like a good husband will bend over backwards to take care of his wife, that's what God has done with us. Sometimes church involvement can be real, feel like a task or a burden or this, 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 this. But God wants our understanding of things to shift. See, like, you know what? No, no, no. This is to grow you. This is for your good. I've made the church beautiful and perfect. That's why that that pursuit of holiness that we talked about is so important. Because that pursuit of holiness leads to his bride becoming more and more and more functional and exactly what she needs to be. So God cares about you. And he's got you as a part of this church or his church, whichever. Because that's one of the ways that he takes care of you. Let's pray together.